Welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy. Thank you for listening. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Shark Kinney on marketing trends. If you missed last week's episode, go back to episode 83 because this is going to be part two and it's continuing this amazing conversation about all the trends, whether that's Facebook advertising, chatbots, video, email marketing. So listen to that episode, come back to this one, and you can learn all about trends for 2019. So let's get into this week's episode number 84, more trends that are shaping marketing in 2019 and beyond. So email marketing, I personally love email marketing, and I think there's a huge push there for that database. But I have read a ton of articles. I'm sure most people have seen it. Is email marketing dead? What are your thoughts on that? Email marketing is not dead. I still, it's one of the few channels, you know, if I get the content that I need, that I've signed up for, I mean, nobody signs up for a <laughs> newsletter or my French. <laughs> if you do, then your open rates, your click-through rates, all of that's going to fall by the wayside. It's not going to be worth it. But if I've got, you know, it's like a podcast. If I've got someone's ears and eyes, for example, pulled to an email, and I'm giving my customer wonderful information. It is a fantastic channel, but you've got to build trust and you've got to really narrow in on your messaging, not just provide brand babble that doesn't help a customer solve a problem. Preach. And that is, that is the one of the biggest problems that I have with email marketers. And it's, it's a wonderful channel. You can get lists all day long, but you don't need to get a reach of a million, I, I kind of borrow Seth Godin, you're almost just talking to one person. If you can help that one person yes. solve that one problem and then amplify that to who your customers are, you've got their attention and it's one of the best channels for attention, but you've also got to integrate that with video, with everything else, with, you know, throughout your messaging, but don't put features on it. Don't put pricing only offers that people disregard that's when this stuff is getting deleted and ignored and not clicked through it's because you haven't helped your customers solve a problem I i feel like the best emails even you know lists that i'm on and things i've subscribed to are the ones that that just try to do one or two things and get me to look at one or two things and the ones that the ones that i've you know trash and don't even look at or unsubscribe super quick are, are like companies treat them as a dumping ground like they do video or they do social media really well and they've got one call to action in this post and one call to action in this video or this ad but everything is 1995 yeah (laughs) just get me to the goal line but the good ones are keep keep that you know one call to action two call to action in an email and and those ones keep my attention well one kind of trick that that i've found that i've done a few times is that'll i think help you look at your perspective a little bit differently with email marketing is go set up a new email address and sign up, you know, for a very limited number, the ones that you know you're going to read of email newsletters, the ones that are, you know, going to feed what you're trying to solve as a customer consumer. Then you'll find that you'll go visit a site, you'll get pixeled, they'll, you know, do some sort of data reach and find that your email address matches with this device. And then you're automatically signed up for 50 more newsletters that you never signed up with. Mm-hmm. And it will, you know, it, it really starts showing you when those newsletters are important, when they're not the ones you actually signed up for versus the ones that just want to throw brand babble. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't like it, just kill off that email address. Ah, that's, that's a good experiment. Yeah, I like, I like that, I like that idea. a lot. 
Um, the next thing I want to talk about is offline marketing, because I mean, this podcast is mostly focused on social media and digital marketing overall. But I have been reading a lot of articles lately that talk about, you know, in order to, you know, kind of almost think out of the box, we need to go back to our old ways of, let's say, you know, maybe direct mailers and things like that. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, old school, those tactics work. Direct mail and email typically are two of your highest responders you know for for getting new customers in they're also you know direct mail's very expensive the what you've really got to do though again is align your marketing messaging it needs to be a seamless regardless of the channel it still needs to be able to to help show why your brand is doing something differently than what other brands do don't make that mixed messaging whether it's on email TV, you know, direct mail, social media, whatever. Keep that messaging simple. You're, you're trying to answer a complex problem for them, not make them, you know, I always use this phrase, the confused buyer always says no. And we do this so much with siloed efforts across a lot of different channels. But where you can take advantage of online and offline in particular is you do a lot of things like put a pixel on your website. They go research your website first you can trigger that to send them a postcard, you know, or a direct mailer. If you know they've gone to look at it that way, that's a little less intrusive than an email showing up in your news, you know, in your email feed that you're going to get a thousand times until you unsubscribe. You might get a message, you know, be seen more relevantly when it comes to a direct mail piece, but it also still needs to be placed in the right. This is not an opportunity to just, bombard somebody with a, a different place to send them a 1995 offer. <laughs> Maybe they went to go to a blog to research on how to do this or, you know, fix this with a product or do that with a service. That's where your opportunity is to help somebody fix a problem with relevant contextual advertising that makes sense to them. But I'm a big fan of, of direct mail. I worked for a company that sent out a hundred million pieces of direct mail and it was still a high converter. I get a lot less mail, I'm sure you do, than than I used to. I, yeah. I oh, yeah. rarely get things, and so I do pay attention to it a lot more. But I think for me as a marketer, not just as a consumer, I like being able to leverage data across different channels to trigger other channels to keep a seamless message across all of the channels together. I love that line that you just said, where a confused buyer always says no, because I think that's a so huge in marketing is everyone tries to overcomplicate things. Absolutely. Keep gotta, it simple, stupid. Exactly. Yes. yes. Just keep it simple. Like, let's get to the end line here. Like, what is the goal? Keep it simple. Um, and then the next thing I have is experiential marketing. So when I was at South by a few years ago, um, one of the, the women who started the Museum of Ice Cream out of California was there speaking about how she had this idea to just to create this kind of like experience. And she actually gets a lot of for being calling it a museum because the museum community is like, that's not a true <laughs> museum. Um, but then all these other things started popping up over the years. Um, Mall of America is located here in Minnesota. They just opened oh, yeah. Candytopia, which is this huge like candy experience. Mm -hmm. Influencers go, everyone goes. It's basically like a place to take a bunch of pictures. Yep. So what are your thoughts on experiential marketing, whether that is just you know, an experience for influencers to take photos of with a brand or other types of experiential marketing that involve maybe um, some type of like pop-up shop or event going on? 
No, I think experiential marketing, really the experience, this is a major story that I just saw on Bloomberg or CNBC or something just just yesterday. It's another story about how retail is continuing to change. I mean, you know, Mall of America, which is a wonderful mall that, you know, when you find a mall that has an aquarium with sharks in it, I'm good. <laughs> I thought yes. it, was, yes. and it was it was busy on a Tuesday, which is rare because you can go in malls all across the country and I'm I've gone to quite a few. It's amazing how many stores are shuttering, mm-hmm. shutting their doors today. Mm-hmm. I just uh, recorded a podcast that I'm going to air soon with a major retailer who they are shutting a lot of different stores. Starbucks did this. They shut a lot of stores and they go back and they change the experience within the store. And then when they started focusing on the customer and their experience and not just you know duplicating the cookie cutter approach, it makes people want to go in, touch, feel, and buy. Now, nothing's going to replace the ease and wonderfulness of Amazon, which I just got a package yesterday. But I'm very interested in going into any store that gives me a unique experience. Millennials, especially Generation Y and Z, are very keen on experiences. Mm-hmm. And you know, having a unique experience, not just a cookie cutter approach, but mm-hmm. you know, does anybody go? I'm going to Times Square next week. There's the M&M's, M&M store and that whole experience. They have one in Vegas, one in New York. Does any anybody go to? Sorry, my wife was calling. Nobody <laughs> goes to. Nobody goes to Walgreens specifically to experience M&M's. <laughs> True. You know, within, but you go to the Times Square store because it is an experience. It's been there for. 10, 15 years, I'm, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, or if not a lot more. But you go in there because it's, you know, it's a, maybe not the best example, but it's more than just being a cookie cutter type store. You go in because it gives you a unique experience that you get to enjoy and share. That's going to that's gonna be the thing that makes all companies, that's the differentiator for them, is creating a great experience when they go in and a, and a great experience throughout the the whole sales and customer funnel. You know, you I go to I travel all across the world. I've got stayed at a lot of hotels. They are all they all have the same runny eggs. They, you know, I kind of call it bird box. You kind of take off the blindfold. You're scared to, but you take off the, the blindfold <laughs> and you just, you can't describe to the police where you are if you had to call them because all the rooms look the same. But Creating a unique experience is really what's going to drive a lot more in in sales, you know, and more affinity for me with a customer's brand is helping people identify on that unique thing that makes, whether it's you as a personal brand or you as a corporate brand or your store as a corporate brand, however large scale that is, but making that a unique experience. And a lot of retailers that I've worked with make those, you know, different experience. I'm going to pull one that's in my part of the country, Bass Pro. Bass Pro at every location looks a little different. There's one in Memphis that has um, a, the largest freeform elevator, you know, standing freestanding tower elevator in the world. Oh, what does that matter? I, I have okay, no desire. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have no desire to necessarily go up. It's in a former coliseum that they turned into the largest Bass Pro in the world. Interesting. I have no interest in buying, you know boats or you know duck boots tomorrow but when you go there they created an experience that makes all the difference in the world and i hope i answered your question but i think experience 
figuring out and accenting in a physical location somehow what is that unique experience about you and then carrying that from the time of interest to the point of sale to to when they're a customer long term it's going to be a huge differentiator for companies going forward well and i know bank of america has been slowly implementing this but like their capital one cafes where they're combining yeah, exactly. like coffee and banking and putting them together so it's not going into like this stingy bank atmosphere yep. it's literally a coffee shop and you can talk about your finances and you know cash a check and yeah well the problem is though at some point and and there are other banks here that that do that the problem is once everybody else does that then it just becomes cookie cutter and yes it loses too many marketers mistake. too many influencers mimic what everybody else is doing we've all been guilty of over it you know, guilty of it over our careers. <laughs> that that needs to evolve and change because your competitors are trying to draw in your customers with, you know, a more unique coffee or tea and coffee with scones and, you know, to, to their bank, which has the same checking that nobody cares about because they're all using Venmo accounts. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. that unique experience is where brands need to continuously accent who they are and, and create an experience around it. And then the next question I have gets into something, I'm a topic I'm not familiar with and we haven't covered on this podcast before, but blockchain marketing, what sure. is it and what should we know about it? So, so blockchain, you know, is, is confusing. I've probably done four or five shows cause I've worked in it. I've got some friends that work in it, but, but blockchain is still theoretical for the most point for, for all of us in marketing and advertising and you know so many people confuse it with bitcoin and blockchain yep. is is the you know technology behind cryptocurrency but it's not like you're getting uh you know bitcoins you know that are actual coins that you're walking around in your pocket with to, you know to buy a soda in a in a vending machine it's still different that is a different place that we haven't you know we don't have to worry about right now and i do think that blockchain will become more seamless where you won't necessarily wake up one day and know that blockchain is implemented but where it's really i think going to affect us in advertising is that it will cut out a lot of the middlemen you know your data for example you will be more you will own more of your own data people will need to pay you basically to you know, conceptually and theoretically serve you ads to get your data so that they can to pay you for your data to understand your behaviors and follow you along the chain, if you will, so that they can serve you an ad. That's going to be, that's going to come at some point, but we're not there yet. Where it can also eliminate a lot of the middlemen, though, is it starts to show where the, uh, you know, through the ad networks, it starts to show that attribution. I mean, blockchain basically you conceptually can think of it as a ledger and when you can follow the ledger and see a you know where an ad was served to how it got to you to where it was bought and you see those triggers along the way there are a lot of steps you can take not to do too high a level but there are a lot of those middlemen pieces that can be you know eliminated so that i can offer you a token in directly instead of you know, a particular ad network that is just strictly a middleman between middleman between you and, say, the brand who's responsible for that. We're still years away, though, and there's mm -hmm. still a lot of things that have to to happen 
but there is a lot of momentum moving that way. I, I know a lot of large companies that I've dealt with. I just had lunch with a friend of mine who's who's a, a Bitcoinpreneur, and they're doing quite well in this advancement. And it's it's something that I, one of the things that I think I talked about marketers needing to learn with TV. I think marketers. If you're just curious, blockchain could drown you in the amount of things that we all need to learn about <laughs> blockchain and cryptocurrency and and advertising and ledgers and the technology. But most most marketers, for example, aren't necessarily coders, and a lot of coders are the ones that have moved into to blockchain. But there are large groups uh, all over the world that you know meet and assemble and are are pulling a lot of these different accounting principles if you will together to to really change and level the playing field in marketing and advertising especially in advertising so it's um so it's more of a transparent way of of you know serving ads and giving out information and allowing yes okay interesting yeah i didn't know much about that either so that's yeah, I feel like in the future, as it develops more, we could do a whole episode on blockchain marketing. Sure. But I love that we're doing a little teaser right now on it, because that's a whole new world for probably a lot of our listeners as well. No, absolutely, it's it's going to be one of the ones that that I think you know. There's a there's a blockchain for dummies book, you know that that I think IBM has written or somebody from IBM has written. But you know, it's uh, they need a dummy dummier a dummier version for me. <laughs> but it's it's something that I've spent a lot of time on just because I used to. To, to do a lot of coding and it's something that fascinates me because I know where the evolution I think is going. Love it. That's awesome. Um, the next question I have gets into augmented reality, specifically with Facebook, because augmented reality could be a whole, again, a whole other podcast if we wanted it to be. Um, so Facebook is starting to, you know, do a little bit of augmented reality in ads to showcase products. What are your thoughts about that? Where do you see that going in the future? And do you see that being implemented into other areas as well? You know, I think that augmented reality and virtual reality is honestly a little bit behind where it needs to be. I'm, I'm actually surprised. I thought we would be further ahead than we are currently. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about it. I'm just, I think, I thought that was going to be one of the advances that would happen more quickly. And so I'm reserving judgment a little bit because. I mean, I think mentally, most of us are already there. We yeah. see the capabilities, we see the potential. Let's move on with it, you know. And, and it's frustrating to me to not have that done yet. Yeah, totally. I totally agree on that. It's like every year, there's like, it's like I'm just kind of like waiting. Like, what are they going to yeah. start introducing it? I don't know why. Again, I don't know the behind the scenes, but like, what's taking so long to integrate those types of exactly. capabilities? Yeah, it was like when they said, you know, the year of mobile has been every year since like Alexander <laughs> Graham Bell. So, I mean, this is if this is the year of AR, then it'll probably be that way in you know the year twenty fifty. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you hit it hit it on the head because I've always been intrigued by you know every article or every new advancement in AR and and VR and stuff, but. I just kind of feel let down with a lot of it. And like, yeah. you're right. Like, it could, oh. could be doing so much more, but we just haven't gotten there yet. And so I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but maybe someday soon. Sure. And then getting into SEO trends, um, voice search is a huge topic with searching. What are your thoughts on that and where that's going? I am a huge fan of voice, probably more so than a lot of a lot of people. I have worked with a lot of different technologies, um, 
give an example in Voca, you know, in MarchX and AllRail and Dialogtech, all these different type of technologies. When someone calls into a company, the, the, the capabilities to, to take voice, transcribe it, and then leverage the keywords and, and real-time interactions that people have when they're talking to somebody alive. That this is just one method, but to where you can take that and optimize your advertising on, you know, DoubleClick or or Facebook or Bing or anybody else is amazing. And I know Boke in particular has really, you know, been sort mm -hmm. of a gold standard in call intelligence software. That that is extremely exciting. Voice with privacy still scares the hell out of me that Alexa yeah. could be listening to everything. Right. I have a major problem with that from a, you know, just from a from having worked for a large data company that was heavily data compliant. Um, that scares me. From a, a podcasting is going to continue to grow. The amount of podcasts that are out there are insane. Yeah, yeah, you more know, podcasts. Well, more podcasts, more. I mean, the, I did a statistic on it not that long ago at the at the present at the conference presentation, and they are exponentially growing. Whether or not the quality is always there is where where it'll sort of level off. Mm -hmm. The where it's really going to be amazing, though, I think, is once we get a lot more devices pulled together through you know IoT and just the capabilities to walk around your house that we've all seen coming. I mean, these, these are like futuristic movies from 20 years ago and you're ready to like put all this stuff in place. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're kind of ready to move on with a lot of this where I can walk through my home, turn on the lights, you know, yeah. turn on the smart open fridges. <laughs> yeah. Everything that needs to be pulled together. We get it conceptually. We're there, you know, order more of, of this, more of that will be, you know, fantastic, but it doesn't have to all be on Amazon, but we'll, we'll probably figure out that Amazon will beat, you know, Google out of that because they're, they're beating them. Right. I think one of the things though, that goes back to where we were talking about TV and experience and everything else, customer solving problems. When you think about your brand, where voice is really going to be a differentiator is when you figure out what that unique voice is with you, what your brand is, you're going to have to focus your messaging so that when I go to my Alexa or my Google Home device, I'm not ordering pizza. I'm ordering from Joe's Pizza right around the corner. Sure. That Joe's Pizza needs to be the synonym, if you will, for what I want to eat. It, your brand name. You know, when you go to order uh, coffee, you don't go look for coffee near me. You put in Starbucks near me. That. Starbucks becomes the synonym for coffee, and that is the purpose of what you're looking for, what you're buying. That's going to have to continue to evolve with all with all brands because you don't get three and four and five choices or ten choices on a Google page. You get one. And so where that's really going to shake out is, is you want to make certain that your brand is telling one specific story you know, not too narrowed, but they need to be something that you're known for and that needs to be elevated tremendously so that it becomes top of mind for a customer's choice. That is really going to be an interesting thing. It's like when you think of Kleenex, you don't order tissue yeah, paper, you exactly order Kleenex. Mm -hmm, yep. Yeah. So when you go to your 
a machine that's driving going to drive a ton of e-commerce sales for the next hundred years it is because Kleenex is the you know is the word that people know of Starbucks is the word that people know of and you don't want to lose you know coffee sales if you're a local coffee owner because Starbucks did a better job in their marketing and advertising strictly better than you did so you know that's that's something that that people are going to have to continue to learn and accent differentiate and is is that um, is that a change in um, advertising? Is that a change in like website copy building? Like what what do you think is going to get help businesses cross well, cross that line? Fair point. So a lot of people need to spend more time optimizing for voice and SEO. That is a, a major you know part of what you'll need to do. A big part of it though is understanding your branding. You know understanding what what that what that brand message is that helps elevate you to top of mind and in that awareness with you know to become that synonym if you will uh, another thing is to you know really understand your local listings especially um, because as we buy or order food from you know uber eats or something like that that's that's going to be more of a again an SEO play mm-hmm. uh, with local listings but it, th- these are you know, brands need to think more local a lot of times than necessarily global. Everybody wants to grow and be the next huge thing in the world. But mm-hmm. really, you've got customers around you that are buying from you. Those are the ones you've cultivated and, and created loyalty and grown with. Those are the ones that you need to be able to answer their questions and, and fix problems for them, not, you know, not, not focus on things that don't matter to what they're searching for. But really, one of the interesting things that I think that we're going to have to figure out, you know, from an SEO perspective is being more complex problem solving when somebody wants to go do research on something because they need, you know, a prescription or a pizza or whatever the world it is. You need to have the SEO back in efforts that help, you know, solve that. The rest of the stuff with the title tags, the, you know, that's easy. Mm-hmm. That's, the mechanics of it is not the problem with with marketing a lot of those technologies are are um are just fine that's you know we're not we're not having any issues with that got it i love that and then are there any other trends that we should be on the watch for that we didn't talk about yet yeah data is really i think you know we we covered that we're covering this last but it's honestly for me it's probably the one that is the most important looking at data and using data for targeting and attribution Cultivating your list and your followers, you know, understanding who your target audience is. To me, those are the most important things you can do with any business. I mean, your bigger advertisers, you've got one that's, you know, amazingly huge in, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area uh, that rhymes with uh, t- Target. <laughs> and Target is very, very smart in, in their data use. I've worked on some campaigns with them. And they know how to leverage data. They they uh, know how to trigger the ads. They know how to do addressable targeting, things like that. I've worked with a lot of those smart brands, a lot of their automakers, despite how auto has you know gone down because of changes we made in society. But your your GMs and you know Fords and and all those major brands, they know how to leverage data better than anybody else based on behaviors, why people buy, not just 
here's the persona, here's my ideal customer, and then shotgun approach them. Data and then looking at that and how your advertising and your marketing messages messages attribute to your customer is key. You know, a recent study that was just done uh, for the biggest concerns for people were, were the around data, where the government regulation and threat of of regulation of use of data that's mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. important with GDPR. Yes. But to be quite honest, cross-channel measurement and attribution will probably continue to be for several more years uh, one of the biggest pieces because you know I brought this up when I did the presentation the the old adage of uh, John Wanamaker the the pioneer marketer from the 1800s said that he knew that half his advertising uh, was being wasted he just didn't know which half right <laughs> if he yep. said that today he would be an unemployed CMO mm-hmm. and that is you know th- the idea that 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 exists and it does exist with most marketers today most mm-hmm. marketers in silos don't know how's this agency doing with this campaign how's this agency doing with this campaign how's this internal campaign internal team doing with this campaign mm-hmm. how's this other internal team doing with this campaign to me this all goes back to the confused buyer says no because me as a customer i have one view of a brand that's it i don't care what's going on behind the curtains with the social media agency versus this internal email team versus this internal customer care team versus this external SEO agency. If all of that's not pulled together and more refined, I can't give them clear messaging and I can't measure and attribute what's working and what's not so that I give them a better marketing. And that's, you know, really figuring out having cleaner data and then being able to measure that throughout the the journey. That's really, you know, one of the, biggest things is propelling a lot of these smart, smart brands, not necessarily the largest brands. You've got a lot of small brands that are that way as well, but some of the smart, smart brands figure that out quick. And that's what really helps them propel and move forward, not waste money, give better customer experience, you know, to the, to all the people that they're serving ads and marketing messages to. It makes a lot more sense to get ahead of that instead of letting bad automation drive you the wrong way. Well, and with all the tools that are out there, for free or cheap, it's, you know, you don't have to be the target level company to, to get this data. It's all, it's all there for small and medium sized businesses too. You just have to take the time and, and, and find Agreed. it. But you have to be able to focus all those efforts within not necessarily one centralized platform, but all your platforms should be focused on that one customer's point of view. Yeah. Not disparate points and that's the problem with so many martech stacks as they get built and you've got 10 different pieces and none of them connect and then it becomes that confused mixed messaging all over again awesome this was so insightful um thank you so much for being on shark uh, my, this my is, head's about to explode right now <laughs> there's so much there thank you very much it just kind of gives you like a yeah, refreshed look and feel about what's what's coming what's growing and i'm hoping the people that listening have um, a really good perspective on everything that you can be doing because there's so many things and again it goes back to that messaging of stay focused focused on that customer so um, exactly. where can where can people find you and um, hear more from you, like your podcast and stuff online? Probably the easiest way is to go to a shark's perspective, A-S-H-A-R-K-S perspective.com. Uh, my email is Kenneth at a shark's perspective.com. That's, you know, I'm, I'm speaking a lot. Uh, I'm trying to post more on, on LinkedIn. I 
divorced myself from Twitter several years ago, and I'm just now getting <laughs> back into it. It's a, an addictive feed, but LinkedIn's probably the best. That's where I spend a lot of time starting to put you know, more informative content, trying to help make marketers more amazing. That's really my focus is to just try to help give away anything and everything I, I've learned with working with these large brands. But I, I do that across those different channels. Love it. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you for all of this information, Shark. You are more than welcome. Wish you both the best. All links we talked about in today's podcast will be in the show notes at socialfeedpodcast.com slash EP84. Make sure to subscribe to the Social Feed Podcast with Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player to get a brand new episode delivered to you every Wednesday. We... We're at the Create and Cultivate Conference this weekend, and we could not wait to record another podcast for next Wednesday. We could not hold this information to ourselves. So we are going to release a bonus episode tomorrow, episode 85, all about the conference. So stay tuned for some really fun tips and what we learned. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow. The Social Feed is a production of Hubbard Interactive with music provided by Minneapolis-based artist John Atwell.